Hey, Brian Hubbard here, pastor at Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person God wants you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more on how to connect, grow, and go. Now for today's message. This morning I want to talk to you about having no other foundation than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll do my best to get through this one. But what we're going to see this morning is that it's not about man or men or anybody else. It's about our Lord and Savior and what He done for us on the cross. If you'll leave your heart at the cross every day that you get up and every night that you go to bed, you'll find a peace that we're going to talk about this morning. A peace that surpasses all understanding that the Lord will guard your heart and your minds. He'll protect you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. Folks, there's no friend closer than Jesus. The Bible tells us He's closer than a brother. He's all that you need. Look around. we got a lot of people that love us. But without Jesus, none of this means anything. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to talk about verses 1 through 11. And it's so good to see uh, new faces here this morning. It's good to see you uh, older faces too. And I'm not talking about age, but I'm talking about folks that come here a lot. I think that you've seen, as you flip, I'm talking about this, in those pictures there a while ago, you can serve God from the age of two, I think was the youngest, to the more experienced, whatever age that is. It doesn't matter. God has a role and a place for you in His kingdom. He has a purpose for you. But don't get it twisted. It's about Jesus and nothing else. That food was not given out because of anything else other than the love of Jesus. It was not delivered. People, did, people took off work because of the love of Jesus. I'm not going to mention their name this morning. They don't want it mentioned. You know why? Because the love of Jesus. I love the song this morning. Trust in Jesus. For there's no other way. One song there said, what you meant for evil, you know, God turns it for good. I'm not good with lyrics, but that's the way I took it as I was crying up here. And another thing is, how come the, the crying pastor never has no Kleenexes up here? I'm going to have to talk to somebody about that. Okay, I'm going to assign somebody a Kleenex job. Okay, I look around, I'm wiping tears with my mask. Uh, <laughs> tight, we're tight here, right? Uh, COVID's got the mud. I'm kidding. Hey, you know what? Lord will provide. It don't matter. If I needed a Kleenex there, there would have been one there. He's saying let them flow for him. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1-11. through 11. I'm not preaching at anybody this morning about anybody. I'm preaching... Actually, if you look at the, the, um, the subtitles in some of your Bibles, you're going to find foundation for living. You're going to find church leaders and how to minister to the congregation. But I felt as I was praying and studying this week that this sermon is more about the people of the church. God says the church is in us. There used to be a tabernacle that they would follow. We no longer do that. The tabernacle is us. It's in us. We are the church. God works through us. He don't work through Rock House. He don't work through uh, a building. He works through us. 
So as we begin this morning, hold on to that, that there's no other foundation than Jesus Christ. Some background about Corinth, though. You have to have some context to understand Paul, what Paul's saying and what Paul's reading and, or writing and how he's expressing himself. Paul's writing a letter to the church in Corinth. Now you have to understand that Corinth at this time in Paul's day was probably the most important city in Greece. It would be as almost if you were in New York City or L.A., Paul was planted there to share the gospel. It was a bustling hub of worldwide commerce. It had a degraded culture, due to some people, and an idolatrous religion base. People were shifty. Anything that come along, they would follow. One day they would follow Paul. We're going to talk about this in just a minute. Next day they'd follow Jesus. Next day they'd follow this person or that. Just whatever they was fine with. But this morning, I want to tell you that even in this corrupt city, Metropolis, Paul founded this church in uh, Acts 18 on his mission, as Luke writes in Acts. And here's a little side note that I learned studying this week, that many theologians believe that even though this is 1 Corinthians, meaning first letter to the church in Corinth, many theologians believe that Paul actually wrote one before this that got lost. They had read the letter, but it was nowhere kept. So, it is to my understanding that this is Paul's second letter, even though it's 1 Corinthians. In his second appeal to the uh, Corinthians in the church there in Corinth about their behavior and about their conduct as Christians. As you read this week, you'll see that Paul continues in chapter 3 with the theme of godly wisdom that was spoken a whole lot in chapter 2. And he begins comparing the two types of Christians, those who are controlled by the Spirit, those who are controlled by selfish desires. Paul spends most of his letter correcting the actions and motives of the Corinthians. And according to Scripture, if you were to flip to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul gets wind of the behavior because Paul's not actually there at this time. He gets wind of their behavior uh, from some people in the church. Verse 11, chapter 1 says, For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there were quarrels among you. Now I mean this, he's getting their attention, that each of you is saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, meaning Peter at this time, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you. Was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So you right away can see what the Corinthians are doing. They're following a man. And any man is not just Paul. They're following anybody that shows up to preach the gospel. Okay? And here's the issue with what's going on. The people at this moment are arguing in the church, well, I was baptized by Paulus. I was baptized by Paul. So I'm going to follow one of these two. And they're arguing, they're bickering, and it's causing division in the church. To which Paul points out in Scripture, he's basically saying, you weren't baptized in my name. I didn't go to the cross for you. My blood cannot even save myself. How can it save you? It's important, though, to also remember that as you read this week, Paul says that the Corinthians had received the Spirit. So they're not just new believers. That they believed in faith and that they had exercised their gifts and they grew in wisdom and knowledge. So these people are kind of like you and me. They know 
the saving grace of the Lord. They know the instruction of God, yet they're still not mm, following it to the T or letting God live through them. But Paul here is calling them out because of what they know and what they learned in their experiences while he was there with them. We're going to talk about that in a minute. They're using their experiences for destructive purposes. It's easily done if we don't follow Jesus. Which takes me to my first point this morning. Wrong focus will lead you to the wrong result. The wrong focus will lead you to the wrong result. Let's look at verses 1 through 4 in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Again, Paul is writing and he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not able. Verse 3, For you are still fleshly, King James says carnal. We're going to dive into that a little bit. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? For every, I'm sorry, for when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not acting like mere men? Paul spent a year and a half with these people. He ministered them. He started the church. He ministered to them on how to serve God and to love one another. And now, another year and a half has passed. So this is a three-year span. And Paul points out in verse 2, guess what? After three years of me leading you to the gospel and showing you how to behave, you still are not ready for solid food. You still are not behaving how we should. You're not following God the way we should. And again, I mentioned in Verse 3, King James talks about being carnal. Well, what does that mean? It means this. To be dominated by one's sinful nature, which is shown, Paul says, through the Corinthians' envy, strife, and jealousy among each other. Now, it's hard not to be sometimes. Let's be honest with ourselves. I see nice cars. I say, man, I'd like to have that. I see things in the world that says on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram, man, their life is really nice. I'd like to have their life. Did you know people only post their highlights, right? That's all they post. They, you tell them, brother. That's all they post. They don't post Monday morning getting ready for work and the kids haven't slept all night. <laughs> they post highlights. Okay? So don't be fooled by what's going on around you. Hold on to Jesus. Leave your heart at the cross and nowhere else. Amen? Here's the thing about their actions. Their actions mocked what Paul was teaching that the gospel is Christ-centered. And it fails to recognize the character of God and the attributes and the blessings of God. What Paul is essentially saying that the behavior of the Corinthians is not focused on Christ crucified. Folks, let it be that Christ died for one. Let it be known to you that Christ died for you and nothing else. There's not a husband that's going to take your place. There's not a child that's going to take your place. There's only one. That's Jesus Christ. And it ignores the facts as, they, as Paul begins to instruct them. The facts that all Christians are somewhat preachers. And that Christian leaders, no matter if you're the pastor, 
or if you're the youngest person in the church, you're just a servant to God. You're nothing more. I have no special place in front of Paul Sizemore in heaven in the line just because I'm standing up here talking about Scripture. Amen. I love that God can save the worst and chief of sinners. Amen. Here's the thing about this. Amen. Thank you, Brother Brad. It's not a man that causes church to grow. I think sometimes we can get caught up in that. But it's God that truly causes His church to grow. We're moved by spirit, not by man. And the bottom line is that the Corinthians here, they're divided. And here's a note that I come across this week. Where there is division, God withholds growth. I don't mean just growth in numbers. I mean growth in spirit. Again, we want to be... If we have to be a few feet wide and a mile deep, that's how we want our relationship to be. Did you know that if your relationship with Jesus vertically, me and Him, is not what it needs to be, it's hard to be horizontally and reach out and help people. You have to have that relationship intact with Jesus Christ. He says, come to me, all of you. We're in heavy laden, burden. So here we are. D.L. Moody, if you don't know Dwight L. Moody, he's a a very famous pastor, he said this about division in church. He said, I have never known the Spirit of God to work where the Lord's people are divided. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and I know this is some Scripture off the beaten path, but I want you to be reminded that the humility of Christ and what He done for you. Paul writes in Philippians, while in prison now, and many consider this to be the happiest letter that Paul ever wrote, and he's in prison. Hmm. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant or a slave, some Bibles may say, being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. How many of us can say that we're obedient and humble enough to go to the cross for someone else? That may be an eye-opener for even me, for even the lowliest of folks. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. As Brother Steve says, it's about the blood. Don't ever think it's about anything else. It's about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you. Bottom line. There's nothing you can earn, nothing you can do to earn His salvation. It's about trust. It's about faith in Jesus. Takes me to my second point this morning. God is the reason for our growth. Whether it's in church, spirituality, it doesn't matter. 
Let's look at verses 5 through 8. Paul writes, What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. Paul says, I planted. Apollos watered. But God was causing the growth. Amen? So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Paul jumps straight to the point here, guys. Put yourself in their shoes. <laughs> They've had many people float in and tell them the gospel and, and, and lead them in the correct way. Paul's not throwing down on Apollos in a negative light. But what he's saying is you're not to follow him. You're not to follow me. You're to follow Jesus Christ because we're only mere servants. The Lord has assigned us to help the church and people and congregation grow spiritually. But Paul states in verse 6 that each leader has a different role and neither one of them in their own power can cause the growth. People are not going to grow in Christ because Brian Hubbard is preaching this morning. They're going to grow in Christ because God affects their heart. They dive into their Word every single day. They seek after God and His purpose for them. It's not a Sunday thing. It's a Sunday to Sunday thing. Dive into God's Word. You want to hear God speak to you? He wrote a real fat book for you. Amen? It's right there for you. Everybody has access. It's not a secret. Many people make it more than what it is. God loves you and He sent His only begotten Son for you on the cross. Nothing else. As the song says, nothing else will do. I only want you. Amen. God's work is through His Spirit. It's not about us. Neil Anderson, a pretty popular pastor who I was studying this week, said this about serving God. He said, we don't serve God to gain His acceptance. We are accepted. So we serve God. We don't follow Him in order to be loved. We are loved, so we follow Him. Paul in verse 8 now is talking about the one planting and the one watering. They have the same purpose as we talked about before. And this purpose is to glorify Christ. It's not to bring popularity to Paul. It's not to bring popularity to Apollos, Cephas, or anybody else other than Jesus Christ. I heard it said in ministry that to show God's love to a non-believer, it's kind of like dropping tiny pebbles in their shoe. And I was telling Brother Brad about this this morning. Think about it. If you've got a rock in your shoe, what are you going to do? You're going to stop. They may walk on it for a while, those little pebbles, those little seeds that you're planting. But eventually, that's going to cause them to hobble. <laughs> How long they hobble? Up to them. But here's the truth. Soon enough, they're going to stop and say, I've got to deal with this. This is on my heart. This is killing me. I've white-knuckled the pew long enough, brother. <laughs> and then they're going to throw the rocks out. And what they do from that point, they'll either harden their hearts or they'll say, God, thank you for getting my attention. God, thank you for sending this trial in my life. Thank you for putting a rock in my shoe for me to have to stop and slow down and say, what's this all about? Amen? Praise the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. 
Listen, if you have to show the love of Christ, do it in little pebbles of love and compassion. That's how I was saved. Nobody threw the Bible at me across the room and said, Son, you're going to die and go to hell. Although that's probably the truth if we're not saved. Let's not dodge away from it. But we have to love people as Jesus loved. We love because He first loved us. Amen. Third and final point this morning is that Jesus Christ is our only foundation. Jesus Christ is our only foundation. Verse 9 through 11 says, For we are God's fellow workers. And Paul is now talking about him and Apollos again. But I thought, it's really about everybody. Everybody's a fellow worker in Christ. He says, And you, meaning the people we minister to, are God's field, God's building. And according to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master, I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, up to this point, Paul has used imagery for the folks. Because if you're like me, you've got to be pretty visual. My wife knows you can tell me something, but until she says, Honey, I did it on the phone. Now here it is. Then I'm going to get it because I can see it. Okay? So Paul's telling them about being a farmer, being a builder. They knew this. They're in the bustling business, business, busiest. I'm trying to get that out. City of the world. They know how to make money. They know how to live. So he's pointing to them, telling them, look, we're farmers of the Word. We're builders of the Word. Now a farmer knows how important their work is and their commitment and their contribution is to the harvest. He tells us in Matthew that you know the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So it's important that the farmer is ready. But even the best farmers know this, that he or she must have faith in the soil to do the work. He or she must have faith in the hand of God to help this harvest grow. We plant the seeds. God grows it within them. We cannot manufacture the seed. And to my knowledge, and I've studied on this this week, we cannot actually manufacture the seed. It comes from God. Now we can plant it, we can water it, we can fertilize it, we can do all that. But folks, it's not going to happen overnight. We can help it, but the soil has to do its work. So it's important for us to know this, that the seeds that God has put in your hand, the pebbles that God has put in your hand, the people God has put in your heart, He's given you a seed for them. Don't think you don't have the tools to reach somebody. Amen? God's saying just go plant them. Go talk to somebody. Get out of your comfort zone a little bit. They may have a different skin color with all that's going on in the world. They may have a different belief. They may wear and look different than us and things. But folks, it's still about the blood of Jesus. Amen. No matter what clothes you got, how you look, what you wear, it's about Jesus. And that's what Paul's trying to tell him. It's not about man. If Brian Hubbard leaves today or November 21st, you better go on serving God. Amen? Not about me. If Kyle Chris steps up here, Brad Pennington, John Cat, I don't care. It's about Jesus Christ. Don't ever forget that. Although we all have a purpose, we have to rely on the Spirit of the Lord to guide us and lead us. 
Paul points out in verse 9 that he and Apollos are on par. Now, now Jerry's a golfer, so he's going to know. If we hit par, that means we're the same. Paul's not better than Apollos. Apollos is not better than Paul. They're both servants and fellow workers of God. Now, the word in Greek that you're going to come across if you jerk out a Bible dictionary is diakonos. Not practicing. Diakonos, which means servant to a king. Kind of sounds like us, don't it? We're a bunch of diakonoses. We're servant to the great king, Jesus Christ. All right? We're servant to him. We shouldn't be in competition with anyone else. Let me give you an example of competition that we here in the Bible Belt talk about. And I'm so thankful that God saved my naive life to not see tradition or religion as we see it here. Follow me here. <laughs> this probably ain't going to be popular on Facebook, but that's okay. We're not in competition with other Christians. Who can save more? Who can preach the gospel? Who can stand the highways and byways? You let the Lord lead you to that. We're not in competition with another church. It's not about Rock House Baptist, this Baptist, that Pentecostal. There ain't no denomination in heaven. It ain't going to matter. I don't care what to tell you. I've read this thing about four times. Nowhere did I see that anybody else going to have a better place than somebody else. If you don't believe me, read it yourself. It's not about a denomination. I heard a story this week about how a preacher went into the bank Monday morning to cash his check. And as he was walking in, Another preacher had, I guess, received his money and was walking out. And when this pastor arrived at the counter, the teller said, Hey, pastor, there goes your competition. In which he replied, Was Satan here? <laughs> he wasn't talking about that preacher being Satan. He had his heart focused on the Lord. That guy saving people, amen. Me trying to help save people, amen. It's about Jesus. You go tell them that. Amen? Please consider your calling. You are worthy of the calling God has placed on your heart. Know this. God could have chose any other means. He didn't have to choose Rosetta Sizemore, Mike Napier, Whitney Napier. The list goes on. He chose us to send us, to equip us. That says a lot about who you are if you don't know. God trusts you enough with the most important message in the whole entire world to go tell somebody. Verse 10 says that Paul's talking about, when I read it here, it says, according to the grace of God which, has, which was given to me. You have to know this. If it was given to Paul, it's given to us also. We are nothing apart from what God gives us. Grace, Brother Ezra used to say, God's riches at Christ's expense. God has gave you riches because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. If you hear anything this morning, know it's all about the cross and nothing else. Now we are to be good stewards with what God blesses us with. We said this before, we're going to say it again. All Christians are preachers. Whether you're cutting hair, uh, teaching at school, telemarketing on the phone, driving a coal truck, it don't matter. You are a preacher of the Word. How sweet are the feet of those who share the good news. Amen. Paul planted this church. Now hear me out. 
You have to understand, Paul planted this church. So before Paul planted this church, guess what they had? Nothing. They had nothing. They had no place to go to worship. But Paul took it upon himself to go plant this church due to a vision from the Lord. But Paul knew the church wasn't based on him. He only stayed a year and a half. Folks, the church should be rooted and based on the Word of God. Hear this. The messenger may change, but the message never will. Amen. It will be the same yesterday. It'll be the same today. And it'll be the same tomorrow. That's the God and the faith you have. If the Lord calls me home in a minute, somebody better go on with this. It's about Jesus Christ. To which no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. Amen. Not saved by Paul, not saved by Peter, not saved by Brian. You're saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. Paul ends verse 11 by saying, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm going to close with this this morning. You may be searching for peace. <laughs> My friends, if you're searching for peace in anything other than Jesus Christ. You're looking in the wrong direction. There's no miracle out there other than the salvation that you can receive from faith in Jesus Christ. There's no wonder drug. There's no wonder drink. There's no magic that can be performed other than the miracle that happened on Calvary. That when those hands were nailed to the cross and those feet were nailed, and that crown of thorns was pushed, we were made whole into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our heart was filled then, whether you didn't know it. I was talking to Allison this morning. You don't know what a blessing, not just her, but you are to other people. Who would have thought Apostle Paul said 1,800 years ago, Brian Hubbard would be standing up here preaching the Word. He don't know me from Apple, I don't think. But God does. God knows your heart. He knows every hair on your head. Philippians 4, 7 says this, the peace of God, this is what you get when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, which surpasses all comprehension, some Bibles say all understanding, which will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. God not only promises to seal you and save you, He promises to protect you, to lead you, to guide you, to never forsake you. You ever had anybody forsake you? Yeah. Don't lie, you have. But Jesus Christ never will. We may turn our backs, but when we turn back around, He's still there. So this morning, I want you to think about just how safe you are in the arms of Christ. I want you to think about somebody else that's on your heart. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray for somebody. I'm sorry if you do. I want you to pray for somebody who don't. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, right in your seat. You don't have to come up here. Right in your seat, I pray that you make it right with Jesus Christ. Right here. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I will trust in you. These songs that we sing come back to my mind when I'm praying. Scripture comes back to my mind. 
Father, you tell us that if we have faith of a mustard seed, you will help us move mountains. Father, that you're always there for us. Sometimes that's hard for some folks to understand. Even though we're not perfect, you tell us in Romans that we all fall short of the glory of God. That means we need you, Jesus. We need you every hour. We need you every minute. Father, pierce our hearts. As Brother John sang this morning, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. What's he singing when he says that? Lord, I want to be focused solely on you and the purpose for my life. And nothing else matters. People have a hard time putting you number one, Lord. But what they don't understand is when they put you number one, everything else falls into place. I don't have enough time. Father, you hold time. Lord, I'm thirsty for something else. But Lord, you're living water. Lord, I'm hungry for something else. But you're the bread of life. Father, humble our hearts. Let us go and share the gospel. Let the gospel be above all else. Let your name be above every name. Sickness and health. It doesn't matter. Father, let us look to you through it all. It's in Jesus' most precious name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. Remember, the greatest decision you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and to begin a personal relationship with Him. Thanks for listening and God bless.